It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On the line with us right now from Bleeding Green Nation to help us explore all things Philadelphia Eagles with practice going on yesterday, an open practice at the link. Brandon Lee Gowton. Brandon, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. How's it going, guys? Uh, it's going great. Now, I got to ask you this because I had seen the reports and I look into the, the daily news and there's there's a headline here in Jeff McClain's column saying fans changing tune on Aguilar. I hear people from the Eagles website coming out saying Nelson Aguilar is getting warm receptions. I see Bleeding Green Nation writing about it as well. Was it a legit, sincere applause and support for Nelson Aguilar yesterday at practice? It absolutely was. And, wow. and being, you know, at these Eagles games and these practices for a while now, you can tell the difference between the good old Philadelphia sarcastic applause and a genuine applause. And this was actually real encouragement from the fans. Kind of very surprising to see just because of, you know, how much he struggled. So for him to come in here and just to make a catch against no defense and to actually get cheers for it non-sarcastically, a little bit surprising. Yeah, and are you in the pack then that thinks he has really uh, been looking a lot better this year, even for just practice? As a guy who has looked good in practice before, does he even look that much better to you? I do think there's more promise than before. You know, and in the past, I've been very down on him. I think last year he didn't really even practice too well at all. So uh, for him to come in here... And to have these kind of encouraging signs, it's not making me go, oh, this guy's totally turned the corner and now he's this sure thing that you can rely on. But it makes me go, okay, maybe he's getting to that point where he actually can turn that corner. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone else yesterday from the uh, receiving receiving core? I've heard the, the battle for that's really heating up. Anyone outside of Aguilar that has really caught your eye? Well, it's almost been everyone, which is kind of a concern because the cornerbacks aren't uh, <laughs> looking so good. But um, Torrey Smith is the guy who also, I would say, has been really standing out. And, and that's an interesting name because I think a lot of people thought he might not even make the team. He only got uh, 500000 guaranteed. The Eagles could have easily cut him financially. But he's, he's looking like the legit number one, number two receiver on this team right behind Alshon Jeffrey. So for him to, to still be burning guys and having that deep speed and still making good catches and just being reliable for Carson Wentz, I think, Corey Smith is absolutely going to make this team and be a dependable guy. Yeah, he seems like, and this even going back to his, his press conference when he had just signed with the Eagles, he just seemed like a guy that was really ready to hit the reset button on his career after those two awful years in, uh, in um, San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. I think people forget, too, that, you know, Torrey Smith was actually a pretty decent player, pretty good player 
even with the Ravens. That's what Chip he, Kelly will do to you. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he's still he's like second among active players in yards per reception, just behind Deshaun Jackson. So he can still get deep. Oh yeah, over to what? Since since 2011, he's got uh, the 50 plus catches and all that stuff that uh, goes up there with a lot of the other guys, the top players uh, in the league, really, that to, to stretch the field. Um, I've been hearing a name a lot, Marcus Johnson, as a wide receiver that has been getting a lot of attention so far from writers. What have you seen from him? Yeah, the Eagles are kind of uh, maybe I would say secretly high in him. At least going back to last year, this is a the guy they kind of like as a bubble guy. Um, obviously, came in as an undrafted free agent last year, got hurt came back on the practice squad in 2016. Now he's really pushing for a roster spot here because he's catching everything thrown his way. He can also get deep, uh, just making a lot of catches, looking reliable. Definitely a guy in the mix for maybe that sixth spot or sixth receiver spot if they keep that many. Maybe if Jordan Matthews gets traded, which remains to be seen. Uh, maybe, you know, he's the fifth guy. So that's definitely a guy for fans to keep an eye on in the preseason. Uh, Brandon, you had mentioned a little bit about the, the cornerbacks. I mean, is it is it as bad as we think it might be, or on the flip side of that, is the Eagles' receiving core just so much better than what we were dealing with last year? I think it's a mix of the two, because you just look at the receivers, and they're doing things the receivers last year just couldn't do. But at the same time, the cornerbacks, I mean, they're just getting burnt a lot. And, and part of that, you know, it's practice, and there's no real pass rush, so they're at a disadvantage by nature, but in the same vein, you know, you're looking at Patrick Robinson and he's getting beat by a guy named David Watford, who was a quarterback in college and they turned him into a receiver last year and he was on a practice squad for the whole year. And for him to get beat by a guy like that after Patrick Robinson's, you know, like a first round pick and he's been in the NFL, it's just not very encouraging at all. <laughs> We're speaking to Brandon Lee Gowton from uh, Bleeding Green Nation, uh, dot com. Uh, Brandon, you talk about the corner position, but Michael Kendricks comes out, a linebacker, saying that he did, in fact, request, request a trade last year, even in the offseason. I look at the cornerback or cornerback position and say, obviously, it's the weakest spot on the Eagles. But linebackers seem to be one injury or one trade, in this case, away from that. Do you see the Eagles making a big change there at linebacker? It's really weird with the Kendricks situation and the fact that, you know, he only played less than 30% of the team's snaps last year, despite being one of the highest paid players on the team. So that situation is very weird. Um, I think, you know, the Eagles obviously feel very good about Nigel Bradham and Jordan Hicks in the middle. The thing, the tricky thing, and, and the reason why Michael Kendricks might still be here and why he hasn't been traded is that Bradham is still potentially facing that suspension. And if you're missing him for a, any kind of amount of time, that's like a big loss, sneakily kind of, because he was a good player for the team last year. And they might feel like they have to keep Kendricks in case he does get suspended. But behind that, I think they feel good in their guys like uh, uh, Joe Walker and Don Cherry, a local guy. He's kind of starting with the special teams unit. So I think they feel good about their depth there. They still have Najee Good, too. And Kamu Grujay-Hill, who joined the team last year, has also been playing well. Say that again really fast. <laughs> Kamu Grujay-Hill. <laughs> Nailed it. Good hustle to you. Now, you mentioned Michael Kendrick and his money. Vinny Curry's another guy that got paid. And I think those two guys, and Michael Kendrick and Vinny Curry, are in the step-up-or-shut-up type of role where they got paid and now it's time for them to very much earn it. Are you getting a sense of like pressure on them this year, especially going into the season? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on those guys, Vinny especially. I mean, Vinny is the fourth-highest-paid player on this team. And when you look at his cap hit and Michael Kendrick's cap hit, together they're like 10% of the whole team. That's pretty crazy, again, for a guy like Michael Kendrick's who played less than 30% of the snaps last year. 
Vinnie Curry played like 42% of the snaps last year. So the guys the Eagles are putting all this money into, it's not only that they're not playing well, it's that they're not even playing at all. So the pressure is there. Um, we talked about the quarterbacks not too long ago about how they're such a big weakness of this team. The Eagles pass rushes really need to step up, and they need to be productive, and Vinny has to be a big part of that. Uh, news broke a, a while ago, you know, a couple months back, that the Eagles re-upped with a three-year deal with Stefan Wisniewski, and the thought at the time was, oh, well, Jason Kelsey's probably going to get traded. Do you think Kelsey is the guy the Eagles are sold on at the center position and they'll keep him there? I think for now, I think the the logic in re-signing Wisniewski and having Samalo there and bringing in Chance Wormack is to have options if Jason Kelsey struggles. You know, I think we saw last year he, Kelsey didn't get off to the best start, and I think if there's some kind of similar situation where he's really struggling, at least they feel like they have guys they can go to if they need to. Uh, ideally, they you don't want to be replacing your starting center in the season, but at least they have those options now to do that if they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lane Johnson said yesterday that it was pretty much playoffs or bust, and that's what the city expects. Jason Kelsey uh, later backed him up on that. And in a minute, Brandon, I'm going to ask you about some of the fun things that might have jumped out at you yesterday at practice, but I want to get your thoughts on this little piece of audio for Lane Johnson where he made a pact with Philadelphia fans about how they'd celebrate a possible Super Bowl victory. Uh, I, I got a lot to prove to the city. I, mean, I think if we can have a few big years, man, and make the playoffs. I mean, if you want a Super Bowl, I mean, hey, I'm giving out beer to everybody. So we, we, we just got to worry about week one and, and focus on that right now. You're going to be lining up for beer from uh, Lane Johnson there, Brandon? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if he's, if he's buying, I mean, I'm lining up. <laughs> what else was uh, exciting there yesterday? Anything else jump out to you? Yeah, there was a, a moment during Doug Peterson's press conference that I have to point out. It was a very <laughs> funny moment. <laughs> um, Doug Peterson walks into the press conference room, the, the post-game uh, press conference room that the Eagles use during the season. He looks to his left. There's a man there wearing all white, this thing incredibly dressed in all white, and he goes, what the heck is that? Now, of course, this That's, man is none other than Howard Eskin. I saw a picture of that on Twitter. What I, I thought he was going for his first communion. I thought he was. I mean, it was the only thing he was missing was a bucket of chicken. I swear that's the only thing Colonel Sanders was missing. But no, you're right, Brandon. He pointed out a couple of different times in the press conference. I know even on the press conference that the Eagles posted, uh, he was talking about how he was being blinded when he had to look over at Howard when he was asking a question. It's very true. I, I did hear Howard mention that, you know, he has to get the white in before Labor Day. So I think that's what was going on. Oh, my God. It was, I don't know how Doug could have conducted himself seriously. Because every time you start to answer, you look over and go, what the hell is that I'm looking at? You know, you know him being Doug, Doug is a, a kind of a jokester, too. So I, I don't know how he got through the interview without, uh, without adding more jokes. <laughs> Brandon, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much for breaking down uh, everything that went on at Eagles practice yesterday. The open practice at Lincoln Financial Field. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. 902, welcome back, everybody. Again, 23,000 people on hand at Lincoln Financial Field for yesterday's practice. And one of the men on the field covering it all from Eagles Wire of USA Today, SMG, Teron Davenport. Teron, how you doing, man? Hey, good morning. How's everything? I'm doing great. Now, here's how it happened, just so you know the background story here. I texted Ron yesterday. I said, hey, could you come on with us? And no response. And I'm thinking, oh, oh man, I was really nice. hoping I could get him. Sure enough, I get a number from a, uh, I get a text from a number I don't have. The man improvised texted me back from his wife's phone. 
<laughs> now, why does your wife, Tehran, have Mark Parzetta's cell phone no. number? I just, this, these are... I don't know. I guess you guys going to be the department. Right? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Tehran, I appreciate you coming on with us today, man. What was the atmosphere uh, at the link like yesterday? You know, it was an electric atmosphere. The fans were so happy to see guys like Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith for the first time, LeGarrette Blunt. You know, those guys got really big ovations. But I tell you what surprised me, and that was Nelson Aguilar. It was almost every time he caught the football, they cheered. Initially, it seemed like it might have been, you know, from a sarcastic perspective, but Mm -hmm. They they were behind him, and that was good to see the fans, you know, turn around and, and embrace this guy, and, and he's starting to embrace the fans as well on social media. So that was good. And obviously, you know, just the whole vibe of the, the military being there and, and the team paying homage to them, giving them their jerseys, uh, that was a pretty cool sight to see. Yeah, Teron, it's interesting you say that about Aguilar with how the crowd was embracing him because my first thought after seeing all the tweets and, and seeing a report on Eagles.com, PhiladelphiaEagles.com about how the people were cheering him every time he made a catch, my first thought was it was like the Bronx cheer, you know? It was just like you said, the sarcastic cheer. But you're telling me that after a couple of times you think it was 100% legitimate. Yeah, because, you know, you look at the faces, uh, the expressions on, on the fans' faces, you know, and, and just the the way it, the way it happened, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, from a sarcastic perspective. I think they really were happy to see this guy catching the football. And that's one of the things with him. I mean, he's different this year. There's a, a different confidence in how he catches the ball. He's running his routes. He's always been a, a He's really always good been good at runner. that, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he has. He, he doesn't get credit for that, but. You see more bounce in his step, and he's he's actually having fun, and, and that's something that you want to see because this is a game where you have to have fun to be successful. Oh, sure, and look, we've we've heard a lot of this stuff before, very similar stuff with Nelson Aguilar, but you said he just seems different this year. Is there is there something a guy can do in the offseason to, I don't know, guys lift weights all the time, guys run routes and all that stuff all the time, but to become mentally tough, I mean, you get a sense that he's done something to, uh, I don't know, strengthen himself mentally? Yeah, actually, I think what happened in Seattle, you know, where where he kind of hit rock bottom, and then and then he was, uh, you know, deactivated for for the other for the next game. I think that kind of gave him a, just just a, a turning point, so to speak. And, and during the off season, he just seemed to to just be more at peace, you know, um, talking to him at OTAs and mini camp. And he he's his mindset is different, you know. He's more confident. He he put the the past behind him. The pressure, so to speak, of being a first round pick is not something that's overwhelming to him anymore. And I think the guy is just he's in a better mental place. And, and the thing is with with Aguilar, he's talented. He I mean, when you're a, a first round pick, there's a pedigree with that. You know, you clearly have talent. But now in his case, the the mental part of it that's catching up to the talent. And he's not pressing. He's letting the game come to him. You, you see him just catch the ball more naturally instead of fighting it when, when it comes his direction. So I think that's the difference just from a mindset perspective. I know he's working with uh, Redell Anthony, a, a former Buccaneers receiver, as well as Joe Murphy down there in, in, uh, in Tampa during the offseason. That's what he did. And that's something he's done consistently uh, over the past couple of years. But it seems to help. And then also he has a previous relationship with Alshon Jeffrey. So having Alshon come in here – and just be another guy, you know, that's helping him. Torrey Smith has helped him because Torrey is a guy who struggled with catching the football initially when he got to the league. He was a body catcher, but he's 
he he progressed, and now you know he's a very consistent catcher of the football. He's helping Nelson just with with his his eye lines. You you know how how you you track the football and looking into the tuck and Mike Grow also. You can't over. Uh, you know, underestimate what what he's done as far as working with that receiver group. Sure, we're speaking with Teron Davenport of the Eagles Wire USA Today SMG. Teron, all of a sudden, after last year of begging for wide receivers, now it <laughs> seems like there's a plethora of wide receivers. All of a sudden, it's a phenomenal word. <laughs> How do you sort it all out? Mac Hollins, they bring in out of the draft. They brought in Torrey Smith, like you mentioned, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. All of a sudden, knows how to catch a football now, and he's confident. How do you sort all this out? I tell you what, it, it's going to be really tough. Uh, last year they kept five receivers. I think they're going to have to keep at least six this year. And I know that's a high number, but sure. you look, and, and don't forget Jordan Matthews. You know, Jordan Matthews has had a pretty solid camp so far. He's making a lot of catches from the slot. He's lining up outside. So you figure Jordan Matthews, Alshon, Aguilar, Mac Hollins will be in there, Torrey Smith. So that's five. Now you got Greg Ward, Jr., Right. Who's balling? You, you got Marcus Johnson, who's been a consistent player. He shows up every practice, and then you got Shell Gibson, a fifth round pick, who struggled a bit. He had he had the yips, you know, dropping the football, but he had a solid practice yesterday and the day before. So, what do you do? Do do you release a fifth round pick with tons of speed, or do you release a guy who's just been consistently showing up in practice? making every catch, and he's the first one to come in when Alshon Jeffrey comes out. So it's going to be interesting how that shakes out. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but it's a tough decision. I would hate to be in that in that situation. <laughs> well, let's flip sides then go to the other side of the football because you wrote about a month or so ago, uh, what was it, five bold predictions about the Eagles' defense? And yeah. it was some jaw-dropping stuff. Are these things that you would bet on or things that you're just saying, you know what, I wouldn't be surprised if this happened? Well, it's it's just that. It's a bold prediction. It's something that, that I could see happening. Um, yeah, I would bet on some of those things for sure. Right. Jalen Mills right. were leading them with interceptions. Yeah, I could definitely see that. because, And, and here's why with Jalen Mills. Talking to uh, Coach Corey Unlin, talking to Jim Schwartz, they discussed how they want to highlight his aggressiveness, his route recognition ability, you know, his his ball skills. And one of the things that really stood out that he did at LSU was his ability to break on the football. He, he's really good at doing that, and, and he could jump routes. So they're going to work a lot, a lot more two-man, you know, cover two-man, where you have that safety help over top, which is going to allow him to gamble and take advantage of that ability to, to recognize routes. He did it a couple times in practice already. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a bold prediction, and I, I think it could definitely happen. Now, what I want to ask you about there, because that was one that jumped out at me too, Rhea, the one regarding Jalen Mills. The, the one that comes really as a surprise is the idea that Derek Barnett could have 10 sacks in his rookie yep. season. Now, in making that very bold prediction, as you have done, Teron, you're looking at it then as if he's going to get enough snaps. Do you think he's a starter? Do you think he's a rotational player? Uh, how do you see him really going about his rookie season? Well, he's going to be a rotational player. Uh, I think he's, he's going to be a situational pass rusher. He's going to work from the right side. But they also have a package where they bring in uh, Vinny Curry. They bump him inside to de-tackle, and he, uh, Derek Barnett plays right defensive end. So... He's going to get opportunities to rush the passer. I mean, I covered a 49ers team that had Alden Smith come in and, and have, I think it was 14 sacks as a rookie yeah. in situ- without being a starter, you know, as a situational pass rusher. 
So it's definitely something that could happen. And when you look at Derek Barnett, he, he has a, a, a very – his hands are violent. You know, his cross chops is really good. He's the best in the draft as far as rushing the passer. Yeah, better than Miles Garrett. And you look at the way he comes off of the edge, his ability to bend, you know, that's something that is is uh, really standing out against Jason Peters. I talked to Jason Peters about it, and he said that's something that he liked. But the good thing is he's working with Jason Peters, and he also worked with Chuck Smith, a former NFL defensive end. They're working on, on an inside spin move. So when you could have a signature move and then a counter move, that's going to allow you to be very effective as a pass rusher. And that's what's going on with Derek Barnett. One of the other things that you mentioned was uh, about Jernigan having more sacks than Fletcher Cox. And I don't think that's as, uh, I mean, as bold as, as um, all the, some of the other ones that you wrote yeah. about. Only for uh-huh. this reason. What was so frustrating last year was, okay, you want to sell me on the fact that Fletcher is getting double and triple teamed. Where the hell else are the other people along exactly. the line? Exactly. I mean, that's what was so frustrating, and you know, and I know yeah. Benny Logan was was hurt for a while, so I would uh, that one I would not be surprised at if that actually comes uh, comes to fruition. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening because I, I know Timmy Jernigan. He's a very active uh, player up front. You know, he's finally in a scheme that's going to allow him to attack the quarterback, unlike what he did in Baltimore. For the most part, I mean, every team on third down, hey, look, man, your guys up front are attacking. But, you know, it, he's in a better situation now. Uh, when you look at Fletcher Cox and, and, and last year, I still think he had a, a tremendous impact, even though he didn't get the sack numbers that we, you know, wanted to see him mm-hmm. get. You, you have to look at uh, if he's pushing the po- pocket back and, and the guys on the outside aren't getting home and finishing, uh, you know, that's not really on Fletcher, you know, right. and that's something that – they they worked on uh, this past off season with Vinnie Curry about balance, you know, and and being able to to stay off the ground. That's something that Chris Wilson, their defensive line coach, mentioned. And and Brandon Graham, you know, he he's just going to have to get home a little more too. But he's still one of the most disruptive players uh, from a defensive perspective. And what you and what you're saying about the uh, the pass rush, a lot of times those guys, the uh, quarterback was stepping up inside the pocket because they they have the presence. And you're all right about Vinnie. The, uh, Chris Wilson was turning his hair out, uh, trying to get Vinny to get a counter move to come back inside to try to you know to stop the guy from uh, stepping up inside. But uh, he, uh, I didn't, I didn't think Fletcher played his, his best year, and it was it was one of the things where I was watching him. If you if you if you if you're supposed to be the man and you don't get your name called in a couple of games, and the only reason you get your name called is for a penalty, that's that's not that's yeah. not good. And and, I, and yeah. it's like that's that's my guy, but uh, he, he'll tell you that he didn't he didn't get the job done last year. Yeah, I know the Redskins, uh, especially, those were a couple of tough games. So, yeah, I could reason with that. Um, and like I said, you, you want to see more production out yeah. of a guy that, that's getting that amount of money. I mean, make no mistake about it. No, it's not the amount of money. It's the ability that, that I know he possesses. And I feel like sometimes he let guys who guys block him that should not be blocking him. And, and, and sometimes, it was, sometimes it was double teams, but a lot of times it was single teams. That's what kind of ticked me off. I hate when guys have the ability, the strength, and the size like that that, that don't, don't put the full effort into it. Yeah, and I'll tell you what's going to be interesting also because they're lining him up, you know, at defensive end too. Like, they're moving their guys around. So I, I want to see, you know, how that's going to work because, like you said, he has tons of ability. He could, you know, rush from, from inside. He could play outside also, so. I'm looking forward to how they use Fletcher this year. Teron Davenport, I've seen you many times on Philly Sports Talk. You do a great job on there. And I will say this to you, my friend. You are (laughs) well-dressed. You understand fashion. You know what you're doing. 
I, I got to give a shout out to to uh, my guys over there at Demar Seville, man. Jay Amin <laughs> and 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 Malcolm Jenkins. Right. They, they have a nice setup there. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, very fashionable fellas. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Howard Eskin yesterday uh, <laughs> decided thought it was Halloween and dressed like Colonel Sanders. Uh, left his bucket of chicken in the car and uh, decided to go to Eagles practice yesterday. And everyone that tweets him and tweets photos of him dressed in all white, like he is the, uh, the I don't know, the, the mayor of the, the Hazard County or whatever, he uh, says, oh, those people don't understand fashion. You, my friend, understand fashion. And you saw Howard Eskin yesterday. Uh, what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I like the suit he had on. You know, he had the seersucker. That's a, a summer special. I just would rather see him get it fitted a little bit better. But, I mean, he had the gear right. I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> Terod Davenport, my man. Oh, that's fantastic. Terod Davenport, the Eagles Wire of USA Today SMG. Check him out on Twitter as well. What is it? Was it uh, Teron Davenport NFL? T. Davenport. T. Davenport NFL? Uh, lower, lower. Underscore. Underscore. T. Yep, T. Davenport underscore NFL. My man, Teron Davenport, thanks so much for jumping on the line with us, my friend. No problem.